Welcome to the Crosslands Church Podcast, our mission to help you experience the life with God you've been missing. And now, a message for you. I'm a big movie fan. You probably know that if you've listened to me for any length of time. And there's some movies I really like and some movies I don't. Some movies are popular that I like and some movies are popular that I don't like. And one series that I don't really like is the John Wick series. It's like the whole premise is an excuse to to shoot a lot of people and just have a lot of violence. And it it starts out where you have this this character, John Wick, who's this highly skilled, I don't know, gangster assassin or something like that. And and he's, he's done with it, but then the bad guys come in and, and not only do they disrupt his life, but the worst of all possible things, they kill his dog. And so that's how it starts. And, and, and then there's a bloodbath for the rest of the movie. And, uh, and at the end, he wins. And, and at some point you go, the, the response of violence far exceeds the violence that kicked it off. So this is a movie about justice, and you'll see this over and over and over in in our popular media, uh, comic books, um, movies, um, professional wrestling, which is real. And and the whole premise is something wrong was done, we need justice. The word justice in our popular culture has come to mean retaliation, revenge. That's what it's come to mean, a response to that's at least equivalent or maybe more than what kicked off whatever it was to begin with. The beauty about this is that it can create a sequel. That's why we have John Wick 2 and now John Wick 3 because whatever he did, now the bad guys are gonna get their retaliation then he needs to respond to that with retaliation and it works really well for Hollywood, it doesn't work in the real world. Because the cycle of violence, the cycle of response, the cycle of retaliation only increases. And today I want to talk about, I wanted to talk about how the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus, interrupts that. But we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about that next week. Today we're going to take a little bit of a tangent. And I want to talk about, it's a little bit of a diversion. It's a side path. See, God's ultimate purpose is not just justice. God's ultimate purpose is reconciliation. I think that has something very, um, very uh, poignant to say, meaningful to say in today's very immediate context. Jesus didn't just come to make things fair. He came to make people family. Reconciliation is the restoration of broken relationships. And all of us at some point have or have had a broken relationship with the creator who made us to love us. And the result of that is devastating. The result of that is injustice and and shame and, and a diminishing of who we actually are. God came to make things right. I don't know if we'll have time today, but you are welcome to send a a comment or question, put it on the YouTube chat and it'll come my way. Um, If we have time at the end, we'll, we'll deal with that. I don't know if we will. I want, to, I want to start today by rereading the verse that Mariah read to start the service. And it's 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. All of this, and it's talking about God's restoration of all creation. That's the context. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. 
For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins, their wrongdoing, their imperfection, no longer counting them against them. And he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Before I go on with the, the rest of the message, I want to I wanna share a, a video. And it's, um, it's partly in address to the ongoing wound of the residential schools in Canada. And the person in this video is, is, a, is a pastor with our denomination out west in British Columbia. Um, his name is Bruce Brown. And I just want you to hear what he has to say here. Hi, my name is uh, Pastor Bruce Brown. I am a pastor of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. It's uh, a very, uh, a real privilege to be able to represent uh, Indigenous uh, people across the land uh, from my culture, language, and identity, as well as representing the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in this fashion. In uh, May 27th, uh, 2021, a news release by CBC uh, was given uh, that there were uh, 215 graves uh, containing children at the Kamloops Indian Residential School. And so the intent of the, in, the uh, residential school system, uh, their intention was to educate us, uh, to assimilate us, and uh, integrate Aboriginal people into Canadian society. In the words of one government official had it written down, uh, it was a system designed to kill the Indian in the child. Uh, my wife, Adeline Brown, and I, uh, uh, Bruce Brown, uh, were born and raised in uh, Haida Village, uh, in Haida Gwaii. And uh, we also were taken uh, and sent to Indian residential schools. And uh, others who attended residential schools near their communities were often prohibited from seeing their families outside of occasional uh, permitted visits. And so the, all of us were really isolated uh, from our parents. Students were forbidden to speak their language. It was uh, against the law at the time or practice their culture. Um, uh, my dad and my mom and dad, uh, when I was a little boy, um, had everything packed up into the, uh, into the attic that were native. <laughs> and, uh, and so we hid it up there for uh, many, many years. And we were often punished for doing so. Many students were forced to do manual labor and were fed uh, poor quality food uh, by the Indian residential schools. There are many accounts of students being provided uh, moldy, maggot-infested, and uh, rotten food. And uh, I can attest to that in my experience in Indian residential school. I was sickly and, uh, and uh, was starving all the time. Any food I could steal, I did and uh, any kind of rotten uh, uh, food I found in the garbage, I ate it. Other experiences reported from survivors of residential schools include sexual uh, and mental abuse. And that was uh, very evident uh, with most of our children who were there. 
beatings and severe punishments uh, were put upon us, overcrowding, illnesses. Uh, we were forced to sleep uh, outside in the winter. Uh, the forced uh, wearing of soiled underwear on the head or uh, wet bed sheets on the body, use of students in medical experiments, disease, and in some cases, uh, many deaths that were there. Uh, uh, my wife was told uh, that she'll only, she'll, she'll, she'll never ever grow up to be anything. That she would have 10, 12 children and uh, then she would die, you know, in that area. And so, and then uh, they used to tell me as a, as a native when I was just six years old that I would, uh, uh, that I would be uh, a drunken Indian and I would amount to nothing. And uh, the in intent was to take uh, the Indian out of the Indian, our culture, our language, and our family connection. <clears throat> when I first heard about uh, the CBC making that announcement on the news release, uh, uh, I went in to my, uh, my, uh, my room by myself and I just wept and wept and wept all over again. And everything just seemed to resurface, you know, and come back up again. Uh, for me, it was very difficult. I can imagine other people who have suffered more than me. Uh, many, uh, many uh, people uh, who uh, know me have said, we don't know how you did it, Bruce, but you're a success. I don't feel like a success, but uh, thanks be to God uh, who gave me the victory and saved my life and, uh, uh, in 1969. I gave my heart to Jesus, my wife and I together. Uh, from that moment on, I had no pastor, but I had the Word of God. <laughs> and it was a joy uh, to be able to uh, experience uh, that uh, in my life. And uh, uh, I'd like to read uh, from 2 Corinthians 5, um, uh, 5, 16. From now on, therefore, we, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message uh, of uh, reconciliation. Talks to us uh, about uh, being ambassadors for Jesus. And so uh, that's uh, my assignment that Christ gave to me and uh, have been fulfilling it all these years. Uh, I was uh, an elected chief in my village I was an airline pilot uh, for 33 years and, uh, and a pastor uh, for uh, 50 years now altogether. And after saying all of that, uh, I would like to say to the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, of whom I belong and, uh, and, uh, and proudly, um, uh, they have uh, stood by me all these years and uh, supported me and helped me and uh, helped me to grow and uh, to be staying true to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so I honor uh, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada uh, from my perspective. Uh, it is our mandate by the Lord Jesus Christ to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, to every person. And uh, that includes the native people of Canada. And uh, <clears throat> we've messed it up. Uh, we've messed it up. Uh, out of all of these years, centuries, that the Pentecostal Assemblies have, have been with us, we only have 100 native churches. Uh, and yet, uh, we're one of the most successful ones uh, from the denominations. So uh, I say to all our denominations that we have a lot of work to do to make proper reconciliation and repentance and approaching the native people in a new attitude of uh, uh, presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, uh, to our nation. I just pray right now, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, that Lord, in this presentation, is not uh, one of condemnation, O oh God, uh, but one, uh, Lord, of uh, the possibilities that are there. Lord, that you told us that we can go in and uh, we can minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to all nations. Father, you know you sent me to many other nations across the world to minister to the gospel, and they received me, O oh God. And uh, Lord, there are many others who would uh, be called to go back into the native villages and there would be a renewal, O oh God, of determination and calling upon uh, the Canadian people to go into our villages and minister and uh, support and help them uh, under their terms, O oh God, uh, to present the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, unto them. Uh, leading them to, to Christ, uh, therefore, O oh God, receiving eternal life in Jesus. I pray this, Father. I pray that uh, our native pastors across Canada, O oh God, uh, out of all of the denominations, O oh God, would be kept and held and strengthened during this time. Our villages, O oh God, as uh, they um, search, O oh God, the ground, uh, for more uh, of our people. I just pray, Father, that, Lord, that uh, you would just cause uh, a tremendous revival uh, out of all of this hurt and uh, sadness, O oh God, and exposure, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As much as Bruce Brown speaks in a, in a great reconciliatory spirit, I, I do find it hard to listen to. Um, and I know that for those of us here in sort of suburban Ontario, um, the uncovering of, impact, of past injustice, it hits us hard, but in other ways, it's, it's far from us. Uh, when I was working as a youth pastor in Mary, British Columbia, I had a number of First Nations kids in, in my youth group. I mentioned, I think last week, that the, the Kamloops Residential School was less than an hour's drive from us. Before I lived in, in, um, in Merritt, British Columbia, when I first moved out west, I was, I was living with my parents. They lived in Mission, British Columbia. And uh, Mission is sort of like, it's just off the river. It's sort of like north and uphill. And so the highway runs along the, along the river, and then you just kind of go uphill to get to all the areas where people live. And uh, when we would, we would come across the bridge from Abbotsford, make a right on the highway, make an immediate left, and just to the left of where, there is where my parents lived. 
And just to the right, up the hill, was a, was a big park. I found out two days ago that park used to be part of the property of a residential school in Mission, British Columbia. Never knew it was there. Five minutes drive away from my house. What do you do with that? There were two brothers with the dramatic names of Jimmy and Andrew Thunder, grew up in Northern Ontario. Both of them ended up as students in uh, Horizon Bible Colleges, which is our Pentecostal Bible College in, um, in Edmonton. And um, they have both recently spoken to this, and Jimmy Thunder says this, that part of the problem we have for reconciliation is that, both, first of all, there's an information gap. We don't know what happens. We don't know what happened. We don't know how to cross the gap. And the second one is lack of relationships. And so I want to address today, what is Jesus' approach to reconciliation? And, and draw a little bit of a contrast to what we have done to what he did. And I want to start with John 1:14, And this is probably familiar to a lot of us. And it says this, so the word, and the word is a, that's a, a label for Jesus here. And if you read from the beginning of John, you can see how that's made clear. The word became human or, or flesh, put on meat, and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, or full of grace and truth, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. In order to reconcile humans to us, or to reconcile humans to God, God himself came and lived among people to experience what people experienced. Philippians 2, 6 and 7, this is one of the, one of the earliest letters that Paul wrote, and, uh, and he writes this, talking again about Jesus, though he was God, <clears throat> could also be translated, or being in the very form of God. He didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege, also translated as he emptied himself. He took on the humble position of a slave, or the form of a slave, to contrast that being the very form of God, and was born as a human being. Jesus, God himself, went from all the comfort of his position lowered himself to discomfort in order to reconcile people to God. James Thunder's brother, Andrew Thunder, says this. Listen to this. Our own comfort is a barrier to reconciliation. Our own comfort is a barrier to reconciliation. Jesus lowered himself, choosing discomfort. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14 says this, and I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you, but I want to really sort of dissect this one. This is, again, another letter that Paul wrote. Uh, some scholars think he didn't, but it still encapsulates everything that Paul understood and believed in terms of theology. So it's later on in his ministry. And he says this, Now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles, into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. I'll tell you what we've done wrong with this. That part of Ephesians talks about God bringing two separate groups of people together, Jews and Gentiles. And what we've done wrong, is we've, we've read ourselves into the Jews. We are God's chosen people, and we reconcile other people into us. So when we reach people with, with the message of Jesus... We think that we're on the inside and other people are on the outside, but that's not our place here. When, when God brings two people together, Jews and Gentiles, we're in the Gentiles, we're part of the outsiders who have been brought in. 
And so we, we've, we've had a cultural pride that puts ourselves at the center rather than recognizing we have been on the outside and brought in the inside. We, we've read Western European expression of Christianity as the only kind of Christianity. And when other people are different, and this was the mistake in early Canada, we want to assimilate people of other cultures into what we believed was the ideal culture. Cultural superiority. And when we only understand our culture to be superior, that locks us into comfort. This is the way it's done. Sure, it's comfortable. It's what we're comfortable with. But it also emphasizes a certain fear of other cultures because discomfort enters in. We become uncomfortable with other cultural expressions, disregarding the fact that our cultural expression is not wrong, but is very different from the early church. It's what we're comfortable with. Jesus came to address injustice, to overcome evil, and to make people his family. He didn't come to make us comfortable. And our comfort makes us complacent. Sometimes we experience something in another culture, especially if it's a, a spiritual practice, a spiritual type thing, and it, it gives us discomfort. And what we've done in the past many times, and it's not always wrong, sometimes we say that discomfort means that that's demonic. And that's not always true. It's discomfort because it's different. What we do is we tolerate what's demonic in our own culture. We don't even recognize it as demonic. We just go, well, it's a weakness of our culture. Anything that takes us from God's purpose in our own lives and his purpose for us in the world is a demonic intervention. Whether that's consumerism, the distractions of entertainment, politics. We go, ah, you know, that's just, that's our culture. Every culture has its strengths and weaknesses. Part of what we need to do is to get the perspective of the heavenly vision. I want to share that with you. And this comes from Revelation. Revelation 7, 9 to 10. It's a vision that John has. And he says, I see a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation. And they all worshipped like North American Christians. No. From every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. And I've said this many times. We cannot as humanity properly worship God monoculturally because God is way too big for that. We reflect him in his glory and his majesty. We reflect him in worship with diversity of culture. Every single culture brings something positive to the table when it comes to expressing worship to God. And it takes all of us together. And so there's a humility in that. There's a humility that says, we're not the best, we're just one of many. God's family transcends culture. And so we have this mess today. I mean, mess is too weak a word, but from, from having that cultural superiority in the past. And the question is, well, what do you do? And I know most of us probably feel bad. But what do you do? Is it enough to just say, I'm sorry? Post an orange square on Facebook. Last year it was a black square. Don't know if you remember that. And then move on. Our, our culture, and it's, 
you know, we've made the claim from the beginning, Jesus has better tools to deal with injustice than our culture does. And our, and our culture, it, it runs in circles about um, what you have to say, what you can't say. And, and I remember last year with the black square thing, it was like people post black squares and they'd be criticized for that because, well, you're just, you're virtue signaling. And there's, there's something to that claim. Do you just say the words post an orange square and what do you actually do to make a difference? You wear an orange shirt, what does that do? You just move on and next year it's a different color? What do we actually do? How do we avoid also being, becoming overwhelmed with injustice? Because there's no end to it. Injustice is almost infinite. Right now there are things happening in other parts of the world, some of us aren't even aware of, that demand justice. And, and you, you can't address everything. You simply can't. You can't as an individual, we can't as a church, so what do we do? How do we pursue God's justice instead of resentment, retaliation, revenge, retribution. There's three things, three things that you need to do to do this. And it starts with prayer because each one of these things must be spirit-led. We're not injustice-led, we're spirit-led. And God has a purpose for each one of us to participate in his plan for justice in the world. And he's got a specific purposes for our church to participate in addressing injustice in the world. And it starts with being led by the Spirit. So each one of these things begins with prayer. Let's hear from God what he's gonna say. And the first thing is this, bridge the knowledge gap. What do I need to know? You can, you can scour the internet and, and fill your head with all kinds of knowledge, which can itself become a distraction for what God wants you to do. So Spirit-led, Father, show me what I need to know and be open to the Spirit speaking to you. Question your comfort. Where am I comfortable that prevents me from being part of your purpose? Where am I too comfortable? Where have I not listened? Where have I judged or prejudged an issue without hearing what is actually going on? Spirit-led, bridge the knowledge gap. The second thing is bring God's offer of reconciliation to those around us. There are, you have neighbors, coworkers, friends in school, there's people you know that don't know Jesus, and we are called to be ambassadors, people that, have, that, that are tasked with a good news message to those around us that are living diminished lives because they're dominated by, by shame, by the pain of past injustice, by wounds. And our call, part of our purpose in addressing injustice is to be God's ambassadors with his message of reconciliation. Spirit-led, God show me Break through my comfort. Who is it around me that needs to hear that? Bridge the knowledge gap. Find out. Bring God's offer of reconciliation to those around us. And the third thing is this. God calls some of us to go beyond our neighborhoods. There may be somebody listening online here. There may be somebody in the room here that God has touched your heart today to reach First Nations people. And it's not enough for you to sit in your home in your neighborhood with your Netflix and your air conditioning and communicate with your neighbors and coworkers. God is saying, I want you to go from here to somewhere else. Spirit-led hearing from God. Who is he calling to go far? Whether it's to First Nations people in Canada, whether it's to Southeast Asia, whether it's to Eastern Europe, places in the world where God wants to bring his message of reconciliation and he's calling people to do that. This is who we are as followers of Jesus. God is a reconciler. 
maybe you're listening today and, and you're not a follower of Jesus, and maybe you, you've resonated with the, 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 the concept that you're living a diminished life. You are defined by wounds or shame, whether it's what has been done to you or what you have done. Because with, with, with injustice, injustice demeans people, whether they are the victim of injustice or whether they're the per perpetrator of injustice. We become demeaned, and it's only in relationship with God we are called to reconcile to him because in him we become fully who we are created to be. In him there's the healing of the wounds. In him there's the overcoming of the shame. And so I'm going to invite you to reconcile with him. That message that God wants you in relationship with him because he made you to love you. And if this is something that you want to do today for the first time, it's as simple as ABC. A, admit your need for him. I am less than I am. I'm less than I should be. I'm less than I've been created to be. I, I'm suffering with wounds of my own making, wounds that other people have inflicted upon me, and I'm not who I should be. That's an admission. B is belief. This is a, a statement of trust that through the cross, Jesus has made possible relationship. That's the reconciliation. He's made possible. He's crossed that divide, crossed that bridge, so we can have relationship with God, and then C is commit your life to him. That which means I'm not living my old life anymore. I'm now living the fulfilled life that Jesus is calling me to live. And if this is a decision that you're making today for the first time, I want you to pray with me. Take my words, make them your own, and pray something like this. Father in heaven, I admit that my life is diminished because I'm not in relationship with you. I want to be reconciled to you today. And so I'm choosing to believe, to trust that that is possible through Jesus' death and through Jesus' resurrection. And I'm choosing to commit my life to you today. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. And if this is a decision you're making today for the first time, I want you to connect with us. None of us is called to live on our own. We are called to live together in community as family. We are not just reconciled to God, we're reconciled to one another. And so click on, um, go to crossings.live uh, on your computer, smart device, phone, whatever, and, uh, and click the Follow Jesus button. Give us your contact info and we will give you next steps on how to live out being part of God's family. We're going to go right into communion this morning and communion is the celebration of exactly that. The celebration of reconciliation with God and one another. It's why it's called communion. The word comes from common union. As followers of Jesus, we have a unity with one another. And so if you have your juice and crackers, just, just um, pick it up now. We read, uh, actually you've heard it three times today, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20, and I want to read the following verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says this, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the, our offering for sin, or it can also be translated, or to become sin itself, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Through Jesus, we are reconciled with God. And so communion is, is the celebration, it's the memorial of that. It's even the, the ongoing sign of participation. We're not just commemorating something in the past, but we're making a statement that this is who we are now and in the future. We are God's family. And so the bread symbolizes, well, the cracker symbolizes the bread. 
Jesus gave bread to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And this was uh, the idea that our, our physical bodies can be healed through Christ, whether now or ultimately in the future. That, that our, our material bodies will be perfected one day. And so as they are broken now, because we participate in Jesus and his brokenness, we, we are anticipating the day we'll be made completely whole. And so let's eat the cracker together. The Bible says as we break, as some of his disciples broke bread, they recognized Jesus. And as we break bread, we recognize Jesus for who he is. And we recognize Jesus in one another as well. And then Jesus went on to pass out the cup. He says, this is the, this is the confirmation of the covenant. A covenant is an agreement like a contract. He says, there's a new covenant, a new agreement, which transcends all other agreements by which we have absolute reconciliation with God. And Jesus earned that, he bought that with his death. He says, my blood is poured out to validate this contract, this covenant. And so we, we are going to reaffirm our acceptance of that this morning as, as we drink together. Let's drink. And let's pray together. Father, I thank you this morning that you reached out to us even when we had no intention or desire to reach to you. You want us to be reconciled in relation to you. And Father, at our heart of hearts, at the very core of our being, we want that too. Despite our tendencies and our instincts that constantly pull us away from you. And so today, by participating in communion, we turn our eyes back to you. We, we turn our focus and our intention back to you this morning. As you have committed to us, we are committing to you. I thank you that you have called us into relationship. And when there was nothing we could do to make that happen, you came to make that happen, lowering yourself in order to bring us back into relationship with you. Help us to continue to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, furthering his mission to reconcile people to you. Father, this week, open our eyes to see what's around us. Bridge that knowledge gap. May we be spirit-led to see who needs to be reconciled, who we need to reach out to. Give us boldness, not fear. Give us the willingness to enter into discomfort so we can reach others with the message of reconciliation. And Father, for those who are you, you are calling to move beyond here to somewhere else, Father, I pray that you would make that call clear and give us a spirit of obedience that we would respond. In Jesus' name, amen. God's purpose goes beyond injustice to reconciliation. He's not just making things fair. He's making people his family. So next week, we're going to return to the idea of how God interrupts the cycle of retribution of revenge and violence. And, um, and I want to invite, invite you to join us. Um, certainly, welcome to join us online as the numbers as we, that we're permitted to have in-house in increase, uh, we can fit 
about legally fit, about twice as many people as we have in here. And so um, it's time to come back. I know it's comfortable at home in pajamas and on your couch, but it's starting to be time to come back and, and, and join us here in person at Crossens Church if, if you live close enough. So uh, thank you for coming today. Thank you for joining us online. We look forward to seeing you again next week. You've been listening to the Crosslands Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or the Google Play Store so that it comes straight to your device. And to find out more about Crosslands Church, you can visit us at crosslands.ca. Join us next week for another message to help you experience the life with God you've been missing.